looked and behold, the heavens were opened. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? have our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, but, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas. Like, what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but His love, like, through us, is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 398. We've had technical problems, but all we needed was a reboot. My name is Caleb Hag. Sometimes what we need is a reboot in the rear. I'm Rob Van Hoff. <laughs> reboot the, the pants, booty. As they say. All right. We got uh, a lot going on today. Tons in the chat room already because we weren't on air on time. Um, and yes, uh, I think we lost some people already cause, uh, we started late. That's okay though. It's okay. They'll, they'll figure out that we're streaming at some point. Rob and I have been kicking around some ideas, screaming and streaming. That's right. We've been, we've been kicking around some ideas for another installment of Messiah matters each week. Now, now I just want everybody to imagine with us, imagine with us for a few seconds. Okay. 
Actually, let's let's take people back. Do you remember how many people were around in the 19, what was it, 80s, 90s, Mystery Science 90s, Theater, 90s. Mystery Science Theater 3000 or 2000 or whatever? My friend John Nichols and I, we used to sit and watch that and just die laughing, man. We couldn't figure out where in the world they found those movies. They were just the worst movies ever, right? <laughs> and, you know, you got the little robot down at the bottom of the screen and the dude, and they're just, they're just, you see this you you see the silhouette of the back of their head because they're in a theater watch you're like sitting behind them at the theater that's basically it right you're sitting behind these guys yeah and then they're commenting on the movie while it's going. Yeah. So, so Rob and I have talked before about the idea of doing like a mystery science theater 3000, uh, but for Hebrew roots, messianic stuff. And, and you know, you'll be sitting behind us in the theater as we crack the, uh, as we talk about it. Now we kind of already do this, right? Nice cup, dude. Is it messianic science? Oh yeah. I got this from one of my kids years ago, the Dadalorian. Uh-huh. <laughs> This is the way. Um, I think it's a so, response to like Baby Yoda or something. I don't know. Okay, so so what we were thinking of doing was we were thinking, what if we what if we upped our game on Messiah Matters? We came in twice a week, right? Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be awesome? But then we were like, well, we don't have the time or the energy to put together another hour long show each week. And so then, Rob, right before we came on, he had sent me the, he had sent me a TikTok video, and. Oh man, this was, uh, I know what we're going to call it. This, oh, tell me mystery Bible theater, 3000 mystery Bible theater. Yes. I love it. So Messiah (laughs) matters mystery Bible theater 3000 is what we're going to be launching hopefully on, on uh, Friday. Uh, we'll try to take people into the Sabbath with a little bit of humor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so send uh, us your favorite memes and short videos yeah exactly well that's the problem and that's the other thing is that i've gotten a lot of people writing in and sending me videos you know i have people ask me and if you're one of these people don't feel bad about this but i i do have probably about five or six people a week ask me to watch hour to two hour long videos and um you know do do you have enough hours in a day caleb to watch all the things that people send you (laughs) I mean, can you I, put it on the big screen while you're doing jujitsu? Oh no, man. We listen to reggae. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, a it's not anybody's fault. I understand. I, but, and to be honest with you, I'd like to be able to watch all of it and, and comment on it for people, you know? And, and yeah, the thing is that right. I get the feeling that a lot of the time what's happening is people are, are uh, they're in conversations with other people, whether it's online or whether it's, you know, in community or, or whatever. And these people are bringing up, they'll be like, Hey, I saw this amazing video. You need to watch it. It's this sermon, go watch it. And then they'll go, they'll go watch it. And they'll say, okay, I don't know how to respond to this. So they send it to me. And so there's a kind of a, there's almost a guilt from me in the respect that like, I feel bad that I can't watch all this stuff and, and respond to people. So don't feel bad if you're one of those people who sent me that stuff. And I apologize if I have received something from you and I haven't gotten to it. But this would be more like we want like tops at the very top. So it would probably have to be two to three minutes, right? Yeah, have to be, it's going to have to be It's going to have to be short. However, you and I get talking and then all of a sudden it's an hour. An hour has gone by. Yeah. I have a new coffee today. 
Talk I still it. don't know what I think. I still don't know what I think. Okay, hang on. Let's okay. Let's let's actually get to this. Okay, we got a lot going on here. People are in the chat room. It looks like we're about at half capacity here of what we normally are. I don't even know what I'm looking for here. Oh yes, my notes. Here we go. Before I uh, before I jump in, I do want to say this. Somebody asked me when the new producer credit is going to be up, and the, and the answer to that is the uh, second week of September. We should have it. We should start talking about it now. We should have it up probably second week of September. That's when you'll be able to get your fall producerships. And by the way, it is the money that we get from the producerships and from those who support this show uh, for any as little as $5 a month. Uh, it's the reason that it's you people are the reason that we're able to continue doing this show. And the reason that we're going to try to add something on Fridays or possibly a different day of the week is because uh, you help support all of what we're doing. So thank you very much for that. And... I, I didn't tell you this, Rob. I got some new cords. I tried to work out some of our, our background noise issues that we've been having. I got some nice. new headphones. My router still hasn't come, which is why I thought we were having internet problems today. It wasn't. It was just a reboot that needed. But my router's coming hopefully tomorrow. They sent one. It didn't hook up. Anyway, all of that is because of our producers and because of those who support us. So thank you very much. Okay, let's uh, just jump right into this. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Uh, that's how you can reach our comment line. You won't talk to us. You just get a message and you can tell us whatever you want. Uh, and then chagatorresource.com is our email address. chagatorresource.com. Tor Resource is the place for all sorts of free stuff. And uh, there's a new series coming out on Tor Resource uh, with my father, Tim Hag. Basically, I decided to just sit down with him once a month and talk to him for a while and ask him various questions. And he, it's just him responding to those questions. And then I'm chopping it up into real small little videos, five-minute videos. Very cool. And uh, I, I don't know, it might be like Tuesdays with Tim or something like that. Anyway, if you have questions for my father, by all means, send them in. Uh, info or chagatorresource.com is where you can yeah, send Yeah, okay. and I just realized that one way to remember Caleb's email is like, you have a Bible question? See Hag. Ah, yes. <laughs> Except for it's not S E E, it's C. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, no I'm doubt. trying to sip as loud -E. as possible. Okay. All right. Let's let's no, do it. Let's I like jump the in. sound effects. So you like yeah. your new coffee? No, I don't know. I didn't say that. Oh, it's out. I didn't the, say the that. Jury is out on that. The jury's out. You know, here's what happened. I went to Costco. They didn't have my uh, my Starbucks, my peg and Starbucks French roast, uh, and so I had to get a different bold. And all bolds now Megan taste. Bucks. Star of yeah. Ram, Ram, Refam. Yeah, yeah exactly. I can't wait to hear all, all the Hebrew rooters tell me how Starbucks is inherently pagan. Um, anyway. Acts, uh, Acts 7, buddy. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Acts, that, I got, I'm going to have news next week. Okay. Let's jump into today's show. Let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's pray about today. Um, let me get to my notes. From Christy. Christy writes in. I don't know if this is a... I think this is an email, actually. So Christy does write in. She says, I was reading in Deuteronomy 5, where it states the Ten Commandments. And then in verse 22, it says that there are the words, these are the words that the Lord spoke in the mountain. And also, quote, he added no more. How do you take this when there are so many other laws in the Torah? When I read the verses, it makes it sound like you just need to follow the Ten Commandments. Thanks. Thank you for the awesome question. Yeah, it's a great can question. I, can I hit this one out? Absolutely. It's important that we differentiate what Israel heard on the mountain at the revelation of Mount Sinai. That's, right. That, that's important. 
Does that, and sometimes we refer to the Torah and can refer to the Ten Commandments. That's no problem. Sometimes the word Torah can refer to the Pentateuch. Sometimes the Torah refers even to the the scriptures as a whole. Like Yeshua says, as it says in the, in the Namos, in the law, and then he'll cite right. like the Psalms. Right. So we have to realize that that these words have to do generally Torah is instruction, like revealed instruction from God to his people within the context of his covenant. Um, so that's one point. But the other is, is the historical context of Deuteronomy is at the end of Moses life. Remember he's 120. It's after 40 years in the wilderness. So 39 years, basically, since the Sinai revelation, and he's reiterating, and it says at the beginning of Deuteronomy, he's clarifying God's instruction for the people. That's another aspect. But we also have to recognize that, like, for example, when the scribe, we read about in the Gospel of Mark, and I think in Matthew, the scribe comes up to Yeshua and says, what's the greatest commandment of the Torah? Yeshua does not cite the 10 words. He cites Deuteronomy 6. And then when he cites the second great commandment, which is like it, he quotes what leviticus 19 so the greatest commandments the gravity of our of how we are to understand ourselves in relationship to our creator in terms of his revealed covenant the anchor expression of those according to our our savior who instructs us and teaches us how to think right he cites the greatest commandment not as from right. the 10 words but the hero Israel, Lord of God, Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, etc. And then the second is just like it. And he cites from the Levitical law, from the holiness code, what they call it, which is all about yeah. God's holiness. Which I'm studying so, right now. So we are, God wants us to be, he gave us, one, like it says in the Psalms, we are wonderfully made. He, he gave us the capacity to think and learn and, and make very, uh, uh, careful and nuanced um, discernments and to appreciate, um, you know, all the, the a manifold uh, of, of aspects of the beauty of his creation and to learn to seek him first in all things. And so um, I, the reason I'm just emphasizing all that is because I've heard people say, oh, it's the 10 commandments, this is the real Torah and everything else was added on. And so when Yeshua came, all that other stuff, because it was after Sinai, right? like that, even the off. sacrifices, right? Because there's no right. sacrifice mentioned in the 10 words, except you don't bow down to Elohim Acherim, right? Other Elohim. Um, and so they'll say, see, that was all added on. And then the 10 words were given. And then Israel now... Uh, uh, in Messiah, you just go back and you're only accountable for the 10. So anyway, Caleb, I, I kind of uh, bounced around on that. What are your thoughts? Okay. So my thoughts are this, that you have, you have God come uh, to Mount Sinai. The people are all there. Okay. Now he's brought them out of Egypt. He's already give them, given them commands, right? He's already given them the Passover. He's already given them the Sabbath. He's given them tabernacle instructions. He's given them all sorts of stuff, right? So they get to Sinai and now is a cut. It, he's going he's gonna to cut the covenant. He's going to now give them a document uh, that is going to be written down on tablets. And so obviously now... There's a lot. There's a lot to get. There's a lot of different avenues we could go on here, but ultimately, God writes down these ten commandments or these ten words, and the ten words 
uh, are can be categorized, right? You have some that are referring uh, to how we relate to God, and then some that are referring to how we relate to mankind. And this ultimately is when Yeshua, back to what Rob was saying, when Yeshua says, uh, "These, you know, these are the two greatest commandments. Everything hangs on these." I'm paraphrasing, of course. Uh, we see this even in the, in the ten words, right? Because uh, part of them relate to God. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Is how it starts, and then you know we see how we relate to God, and then we see re- how we relate to man. So even those two commandments are wrapped up in the ten words. However, when we get to Deuteronomy, we see that uh, first of all, when Israel co- first comes to uh, the land, they reject the covenant right? They reject the land covenant and they are then put into the wilderness. When they come back, Moses writes down the renewal covenant. And I think that the scholarship that has been done on the 10 words as it applies to the uh, renewal covenant of Deuteronomy, I think it's excellent work. Uh, And I think that they have, I think the scholars who hold to this really have found something here. And ultimately what it is, is that if you look, if you take Deuteronomy, you can break it up into 10 different sections 10 different commandment sections. Right. And so you would see the 10, the 10 words. So in five, in Deuteronomy five, he lists the 10 commandments again, and then he uses each one of those essentially as a chapter heading. And so under the, uh, under the heading of, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, then he lists how that is supposed to play out. In other words, this is how we keep that commandment. And he does that for all of these, right? All of the 10 commandments, uh, are basically the chapter headings of the Deuteronomy renewal covenant. And so that's how I see the, the, uh, I, I don't call, I wouldn't call them additional covenants or I'm sorry, I wouldn't call them additional commandments. I would see them rather as this is the chapter heading. And then this is how we are to keep each one of those commandments. In other words, how do I honor my father and mother? Well, there's a section in Deuteronomy all about personal relationship, uh, stemming directly from the most important relationship, which is obviously God first, but then parents, right? And so from there, he, he, uh, makes personal relationship and, and hashes that out. So each one of the commandments is a chapter heading as opposed to uh, this is the only command that you need to keep. Uh, We'll talk later about uh, people have asked, well, how do I keep the Sabbath? What is a, what's a, what's really breaking the Sabbath? We've talked about this numerous times and ultimately people, what people want is people want a list of, of here's the command and here's how you keep it. And this is essentially what Deuteronomy does. Here's the command and this is how God has told us to keep it. So, um, I see, that's how I see the, the 10 words is, is, a, a, an umbrella over all of the other commandments. And with the, the greatest commandment, you, you've got, uh, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of uh, the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Right. And do, is it Deuteronomy 16? Observe the month of Abib, right? Observe the month. This is the, the month that the Lord brought you out. So now all of a sudden we're, it's not. It, yes, it's engraved in stone. Yes, it's stored in the Holy of Holies in the Ark, but it's and so that's inaccessible, right? The, no Israelite is going to go in and look at those. So it, there's a sense right. of knowing where those are is part of the conceptual development that we have to to undergo to realize. Okay, so what does it mean for me? Boots on the ground. Oh, it means that my whole life is like a liturgy. There's like an annual liturgy that is anchored and reinforcing the content of what's in the Holy of Holies in my life. So there's like a coherence now 
between the life of the faithful Israelite who doesn't have access, right? How many, how many Israelites had access even to the holy place in all of history, let alone the holy folies. So, but it's still upon the educated Israelite or people of God grafted in from the nations to learn all of this. Even when there's no Mishkan, we still learn. Okay. So we kind of have this visual understanding of the space and the layout and that it's talking about earth and heaven and whole uh, concentric circles of limited access, helping us understand God's holiness and all these things that then we go to the boots on the ground. Oh, it looks like this. It has ramifications for how I live my life, how I organize time in the world. And then that's going to interfere or not with other cultures and other ways people think about time. And all of this, as I learn to walk in his ways, I start to discern what it means to be the human being that he has made us to be in his image. So we're reflecting his image and we're not being drawn and mimicking the things of the world, but we're mimicking the creator himself. Like, you know, he said, be holy because I'm holy. I'm going to, I'm going to guide you just like a father teaches his son. I'm going to guide you and teach you and correct you and encourage you and provide for you over the long haul. This is a little bit, well, I I don't think it's off topic, but it's going to sound like it is in the beginning. I'm reading a a fantastic book by Daniel Block, and I'm sure a significant portion of our audience knows who Dr. Daniel Block is. He's, I would, I would consider Block to be one of the foremost Old Testament scholars in the world today. Uh, He's up there with Kaiser and others. He's done significant work in, in, well, all of the Pentateuch. And he's a good presenter too. Oh man, he is, yeah. He had the... Joy he's easy to talk things. to, right? He's easy to talk to as well. He's just a he's just a charming fellow. It's humble. He's very yeah. humble. Um, my, he's written some life. he's written some amazing books. The Gospel According to Moses is a, a really really dynamite book. He's written uh, oh others, but uh, Gospel According to Moses. And then I'm reading currently I'm reading his newest book. It came out in 2021 called Covenant. That's it's just covenant, and it's a 750 page book. It's ginormous, and I'm about 200 pages in. I have to say, it is just it has really been a a fun book to read. And I and I, I know I, this. I think it's love is bigger. Who's in the chat room? She she recently sent me a picture. She bought the two volume Ezekiel commentary. Oh, nice. I was wrong. I think I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about. It. I I thought it was the word biblical commentary. It's, it's actually. Not, yeah. The new international commentary, right. I think. Yeah. So I had the I had the publisher wrong, but anyway. So yeah, there's that double volume on Ezekiel also that he's done. So this book Covenant, I mean, it's really been a it's it's just kind of, you know, I'm I'm one of these guys. I sit here with the book, and then I sit here with my note system, and then I you know, and then I have my Bible over here. So it's taking me 200 pages has taken me like three months to get through because I'm just all over the place. But he gets to this section and he, and you know, Dr. Block is, is one of these guys. He's, he's, I, I would say he's almost on the edge of, you know, pronomianism. He's on the edge of but, Oh my word. Well, all right. That, that, that's the new <laughs> blockbuster song. Anyway. So he, uh, he, he says, you know, I think that the church has got essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but he, he basically says, I think historically the church has gotten it wrong, that the Sabbath is important and that, and that, you know, we should be keeping the Sabbath because it's part of the, you know, the overall message of the 10 words. And he's in this it's section an affirmation of, the 10 words. of covenant membership and, and, and covenant value. 
Right. And, and at this point, he's just come out of the of talking about the Holiness Code, right? Which is, uh, for those who don't know what the Holiness Code is, it's uh, Leviticus 19 through chapter 26. And we could talk for, we could talk an entire show about the Holiness Code. But anyway, he says, now, the, the weekly Sabbath is different than the, the festivals, which were done away with in, uh, you know, Hebrews, what, 13 or something, Hebrews 8 or Hebrews 13 or whatever. The airplane and, starts going, one engine out. And I, and I understand, I understand where he's coming from in terms of Christian theology and why he would say that kind of thing. And I'm reading his references and I'm looking up his Bible verses and all these kind of things. And, but as we talk about the notion of the 10 words being, and he's one of the scholars, he's one of the main scholars that has, uh, really kind of talked about the 10 words being these subject headings. Okay. And it's like, well, if we look at the Torah, and we and we look at uh, we, specifically Deuteronomy, and we look at the Sabbath as an umbrella for a category, right? It's a category heading. It's not just one commandment. Well, what's underneath it? All of Leviticus twenty three, right? The the festivals are, and this translates over into Deuteronomy too, right? When we look at the festivals in Deuteronomy. It talks about the various Sabbaths. It's not just the weekly Sabbath. It's all of the Sabbaths. It and all so, teaches the history. It teaches right. us the story. And sets us apart, right? Right. It, it, and it, it helps us prioritize the story in our life. You know, what? It was, it's like this. It's like, Caleb, well, imagine just reading about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. All you do is read about it. Or, or maybe occasionally you watch a video, right? And you're like, oh, you know, and then pretty soon, like someone's going to ask you, oh, yeah, you know everything about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But then you talk to someone who's actually done it. Can I tell you a they, story? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Go. <laughs> so every, you know, our our academy just got affiliated with a with a major a major Atos. Uh, gym, Atos, right? Yeah. And so we've been having an overabundance of new people flock in. Okay. And it might be because we affiliated. It might just be the people are, are finding us on Google. Who knows? But about every class, there's at least one new person. There's a guy who comes in. He's tall. He's very athletic. You can tell he's athletic. This is a CrossFit kind of a guy. You know what I mean? Like bulky, but fast and just athletic. And he's asked, so have you ever done some Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And he says, no. I caught a class about five years ago, and I, uh, I, I, but I've, I've watched a lot of technique. Now we can just assume we can just insert on YouTube, right? Like, and th this, this has so many analogies. We could talk about internet scholarship, right? We could talk about the Hebrew roots scholars who. So there's you know, not, nothing wrong with watching videos on. No, of course don't, not. Don't get, don't get us wrong. Nothing wrong. Like you're watching. Yeah, you're, you're watching right? us right now. The idea but, is, but we're talking about rubber beats the road, right? So. This guy's six three, probably two fifteen, maybe two twenty, right? So he's got he's got thirty pounds on me at least, at least, and uh, and it's I'm I'm pudgy, you know. I'm not I'm not a muscular dude. I got a lot of softness pudgy. on me, right? And this guy is a rock. It's like it's like running into a rock. Okay, now keep in mind this guy has done. It has watched a lot of videos on Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He, he, he's got some of the basics down. So our professor puts, puts us, me and him together. And this guy gets on top of me 
And the only thing he's got is speed. So he is moving as fast as he can, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> he doesn't know what in the world he's doing, right? So I'm just kind of letting him go through whatever he needs to go through until he makes <laughs> you know, whatever he needs to do. And of course, his speed and his size mean nothing. And pretty soon I just choked him out. But the point is, is that <laughs> <laughs> the point is, is that you, you can't become a black belt of anything by watching it online. You got to be in it. You got to be doing it right. And well, that's a good point. Okay. Does, does the Bible require, does God require of us to obtain skill? Yes. And to, and to, action, to grow, and action to is grow. important. And action, how do we get skill? How do we obtain competence? The word wisdom in Hebrew throughout the Proverbs, chokhmah, is often translatable as skill. That means you that means you're learning God's word, you're in the world and you're applying it. You're learning it, you're applying it, you're seeking him. You recognize your limitations, you recognize the problems of of, of the flesh the sin problem, you understand depravity, you understand longing for the things of God, hungering and thirsting for the things of God, seeking him first and holding tight to that through the trials of life. And in that over time, in your perseverance, you will grow in competency. You will grow in confidence in the word of God. You'll be able to say like King David said, even in the Valley of the shadow of death, I will right. not fear evil because you are with me. Like how David, like he, he had strength in his relationship with God. Was his, was it inaccurate? No. Was he, did he say you are with me to a pagan idea of a God? No, it was to the living God. He had a relationship with living God. And that's the trajectory of our growth and that there is skill involved and it's not pedal. We're not, it's not sleight of hand. It's not magic tricks. God doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, Hey, you know, it's real knowledge and grounded um, growth, grounded embodiment of, of the things of God. Okay. I want to talk real quick about uh, something in the chat room. So Joshua says, how can Dr. Block do his work on the covenant and not see the pronomian way of discerning the Bible? I would argue Joshua that, uh, that Dr. Block has seen a lot more of the pronomian perspective than many people have. He's th that's why I say he's on the edge. I mean, he's got one foot in it. You and I probably uh, have a, an idea of this being a theology. Dr. Block has been in, in Christian circles. He's not, he, he hasn't dabbled in, in these, in, uh, in the fringe circles. So what he's doing is he's in his mind, I'm sure he's forging new ground here. And Clayton responds and says, Joshua, it's about the money. My opinion, there are more people buy, uh, to buy books in, in the other theology than pronomian theology. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. That's, that's, a, that's a malicious interpretation. I, I think there could be people. I, I don't deny that there's people who like sure. I could list a whole bunch of people that I think are, it's about money. I would, there's no way I'd put Dr. Block in that. I, I've spent enough time reading and hearing him. It's like, He's pushing no. the envelope in, in so many areas uh, of Christian doctrine. Here's the thing, you know, we've talked about, We've talked about scholarship on on this show so much, and uh, I think 
I think recently I've talked about earning a seat at the table. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you, when you have people in the Hebrew roots movement and the messianic movement that have no formal education, they have a YouTube education or they have a Google education and they're writing papers. No one in, in the scholarly world is going to pick their stuff up and, and be like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use this person's work. It's, it, it, and the reason why is because they haven't even re, gotten a seat at the table. They're not going to be taken seriously because they haven't done the work, the hard work to, to get an education. But when you have people who have not only done the hard work, but are well-respected at the table, like a Dr. Block, Dr. Block could come out as fully Torah observant and people, I mean, people would respond to his, whatever he wrote about it, but no one would discredit him or say, oh, he's not a scholar or anything like that. He's earned the place at the table. He can say whatever he truly thinks. He's not sugarcoating anything for anybody. Um, and that's the case for a lot of really good scholars. You have people like Walter Kaiser is one of them. Block is another. You got even even people who thoroughly disagree with us. You know, Dr. Daryl Bach is a well-respected scholar. Wallace, if Wallace says something, people take notice. That doesn't mean they're going to agree, but they don't. They've they've not only earned a seat at the table, they have their name on a plaque on the table. In other words, like that table is reserved for them. You sit down at their table, kind of a thing. Um, and so, Block's one of those one of those scholars. Uh, I don't think that he's, you can tell, especially in his newest book, Covenant, he's not writing for an audience. He's writing for himself. He's sat down, and he says that in the beginning. He says, I'm just compiling all my, all my research. This is just all my research. And if people read it, that's great. So that's, I mean, I, that's what I think. Uh, yeah, Wallace, well, Josh says, I really enjoy Daniel Wallace. Everybody enjoys Daniel Wallace. The reason that you have a lot of uh, the, <laughs> a lot of what we have today is is due to Wallace's work. Uh, whether you know it or not, his he's done fantastic work. Okay, um, let's move on. We have not gotten very far at all. <laughs> That's okay. Um, ch -ch 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 -ch. Eric writes in. This is on. Our conversation is a deity. This is going to be quick. I don't want to hit this uh, subject too hard again. We've talked about it for two weeks in a row, but this is a good question. So Eric writes in, he says, so a Unitarian denies the deity of Yeshua and that's a salvation issue. I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that I think that the, the scriptures lean that way. However, I'm not going to judge someone that's up to the Lord. I'm going to say that it's heresy not to, it is a heretical, it is a heretical belief not to believe that Yeshua is God. That's what I would say. He says, but what about Benetarianism? For those who don't know, Benetarianism is the belief that uh, Yeshua and the Father are one God, that Yeshua is yod heh but that the Spirit is just another name for uh, God. Or there are different flavors of Benetarianism, but ultimately that the Spirit, that there's not a triune God, that there is a bilateral, by, anyway, a, a two, a two person God which is father, son, but not Binity, spirit. Abinity. Yeah. There's a, it, abinity. Binity, he said, that's what it is, instead of Trinity. Yeah. He, he asks, is that a salvation issue mm. since it's not Trinitarian? I would say that there is a, it, there is a categorical difference. Now I'm not saying that it's not heresy to say that the spirit doesn't have personhood and uh, is not uh, obviously working uh, in, in a capacity that is other than father and son. However, with that said, in unity and jointly with the Father and Son, but that has his own work. With that said, 
a person, the Benetarians that I have met have never said that the spirit is not God. They've just said that the spirit doesn't have personhood. Now, uh, this kind of goes to like modalism. What do I think is worse? Do I think it's worse for a person to be a modalist who says Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not separate being or not separate persons, but are uh, just different hats of of the same God, right? Uh, one day uh, somebody might be a dentist, then they go home and they put on their dad hat, and then they you know then they go out to the garage and they put on their mechan- mechanic hat. Um, so that would be like modalism. I think it's different to say Yeshua is Yod Hey Vav Hey as opposed to he's not yod heh vav Now, how all of that breaks down, is there heresy that could be left? Of course. But ultimately, there is a difference between saying Yeshua is not God as to saying the spirit is God, but not a, you know, not a distinct person. So am I, am I explaining that different, like well enough? In other words, a person who says that Yeshua is not yod heh vav is saying that God is not God. A person who says that, that uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't have personhood is still saying that the Holy Spirit is God. They're still saying God is God. They are just not giving the scriptures its full force. That's how I see it. One, one footnote on just the uh, binatarianism is that there is non-Christian binatarianism. Right, the whole uh, debate between Daniel Boyarin and Peter Schaefer concerning um, the in, the emergence of the Enochic traditions right. in in the larger Jewish world from the Second Temple period on into the rabbinic uh, the Metatron traditions that those also stem from a Jewish binatarianism but it's but they they're distinguishing it from yeshua has no part in those world view and that was just a, that wasn't a major world world view or anything but it would fall under that title um binatarianism let's uh, move to another quick one we're going to do another quick one this was written in on so we did a video a couple years ago on um, communion and whether or not communion was biblical. And my take on that is, is that the church has missed part of it and that really Yeshua is talking about uh, the Passover. And my article, which I referenced last week, is now live on pronomian.com. So you can go there and read my article. Sacrifice to Christ is the is the uh, name of that article. It is on the homepage. Um, and yeah, we actually got a, con- we got a question about your um, about your article as well. Anyway, so this is on communion and my saying that communion as, and the Eucharist as the church knows it today is not what Christ was talking about. Uh, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, they, uh, pray unceasingly says, are the writings of the er early church taken into consideration for this, uh, topic, church fathers, et cetera. And the answer to that is yes, there, uh, the, the writings on the Eucharist are taken into consideration. I think most people would be uh, surprised to learn that um, the early, early church fathers who comment on the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, uh, it is that is very debated on what exactly is going on in those texts among scholarship. 
in fact, there are some scholars who say the actual, and I know, I know the passages people say, we'll start sending in passages. Um, but people, some scholars say that the Eucharist is not even really talked about in terms of communion like that until like the fourth century. Now there are people in the second century who do seem to, uh, and when I say seem to, I, if you just read the passages taken out of context and without, uh, understanding what's going on or at least understanding the debates, I should say. It, people fall on both sides of it. Uh, some people argue that, that no, there's not uh, there's not any writings. That ultimately, the, the point is, is that communion as we have it today is very much being formed all the way up, even if we take the early, early writings of the church fathers and accept them as historical. It doesn't matter. The, the, uh, the theology of the Eucharist and of the communion are very much being debated and talked about all the way up until fourth, fifth century. Um, it's not until the fourth, uh, third, I'm sorry, it's not until the third Lateran council in, in the 1200s that, uh, the church, uh, requires the congregants to take communion, communion. The elements of the communion are not set until the fourth or fifth century. Uh, before that it's, all sorts of stuff, including full-on meals. So, um, yes, uh, the writings of the Church Fathers are taken into consideration. However, I don't find the writings of the Church Fathers to be authoritative in terms of binding on us. Uh, it's commentary. The Church Fathers are great to read, and I think they have some wonderful things to say, and I think we should consider them. But ultimately, the Scriptures take precedence over the Church Fathers. Anything on that, Rob? No, I was just double checking. I think the only place is um, where in the apostolic writings, where you have um, Eucharistia, which is the noun in Greek, where you get Eucharist is just a transliteration from the Greek. Right. Giving thanks. Is that is that passage from, I wanted to say it's 1 Corinthians, isn't it? Um, I First thought that Paul used it in Acts. First Corinthians ten sixteen, the cup of blessing which we bless. Um, I think that I think there is a maybe it's a a variant there, a cup of blessing. Um, I don't know that we have it meaning specifically, specifically meaning meal or celebratory meal. What was the verse that you were thinking in Acts? Wow. It means it just means thankfulness and and gratitude. Quality yeah, of but giving being thanks. Grateful. It's it uh it uses it as a verb, right? Yeah, to give you give thanks. But the idea what my point was, we then by like the didache, this is another, you know, I know that there's messianic sure. Jewish groups like FFOZ and others that want to put didache that they're desperate to put didache, the didache in the middle of the first century. Right. Because with that, if they can't do that, it, and well, they one of the problems besides the gospel is the Eucharist, aside from Sunday worship and all this right. other stuff. Um, if I remember right, I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the Didache and then other early patristic literature, you see the Eucharist as right. now becomes this formal thing. And then, but it's, it's still not defined. And like you're verb. saying, right. yeah. And then it becomes more and more defined by different groups. So, Anyway, yeah, the, I mean, to be honest with you, I think that it's the. I argue in my article on pronomian.com that you cannot get the, the Eucharist or the communion unless you read later church history back into the first century. Yeah. You just can't. And, and I stand by that. 
I don't, I don't think now to commune with other believers, certainly we see that, right. And we see that all throughout, uh, throughout the scriptures, all the way, starting way back before, before the Torah is given, right. We see that people are communing together and, and, and even finding worship around meals. So I don't have a problem with that, but, um, the idea of elements, um, replacing the Passover, I think is, is, um, I, I just don't see it. Okay. Well, we know that that's what Dr. Petrie does. Like he, right. he makes this great case for Pascha and Passover and the, the, um, unity of the four gospels that the three synoptics and John that's all pointing to the same thing. He says, look, it's very clear. Pascha is Passover. This is a Pesach meal, et cetera. And then he switches as what I would call kind of propaganda for the Catholic church. And right. Says, of course. Yeshua is the priest or, or uh, right. They're all the priests now of the new religion. And so he shifts to Catholic religion from there. And of course we wouldn't, we we respect Dr. Petrie's work up to, up to that point. We're like, you know, we, we're, we can't go with you there. You know, we're it, just, gonna... it just shows that there's a bias. Even, I mean, we all have biases, right? We all do. And, and uh, you know, Dr. Petrie is a fantastic scholar, but he's a Roman Catholic, you know, I, look, and he's well, a Roman Catholic, <laughs> but, but what you mean by that is not to, not to dog it, but just to say there's lenses then. Right. Right. There's worldview presuppositions, et cetera, that inform his work. The fact that I grew up in a Messianic Jewish synagogue, you know, learning under my father, that's going to, that's going to uh, be a bias within my work. I mean, it just is no matter what, no matter how my theology has shifted or changed throughout my life, that's always going to be part of who, you know, what my theology is. Okay. Let's move on to the Sabbath. I want to get to it. We have, uh, we have a couple of, we have a couple of really good comments here. We're not going to get to all of them. That's okay. We'll finish out this conversation next week as well. Um, but we're going to start these. CA writes in and says, hello, I'm fairly new to being Torah observant and have been studying and reading as much as I can. I have thoroughly enjoyed the Messiah Matters podcast. It has been helpful. Great. Thank you very much. <clears throat> My question is this. We've been keeping the Sabbath and I have been thankful to transition to a job where I do not have to work on Saturdays. I just realized the Bible also mentions high Sabbaths. I'm not sure if I'd use the word high Sabbaths. Anyway, high Sabbaths, uh, high Sabbath days. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's right. That high Sabbath is right. Uh, days. And I believe a few, uh, a few fall on Monday in the upcoming months. How do Torah observant people handle these days? Do they try to not work on these days? What if you can't get them off work? Okay. I'm going to, I'll just brush on this quickly and then I'm going to throw it over to Rob. I, you know, per our conversation earlier in this, in this broadcast, I believe that the weekly Sabbath is just the chapter heading for all the other Sabbaths as well. So yes, I do think that we should be keeping those Sabbaths. I do think that they are, I think that anyone who's been in the Torah movement for long enough will tell you that uh, there's great benefit to keeping those, those festival days. Uh, we learn a lot from, from uh, the celebration of the festivals. So I, I do think that they're important. And I think that it's time when God has asked us to commune with him, right? So uh, I, I think that they're very important. And here's a plug for you. Uh, on Torah Resource, if you go to Torah Resource, at the beginning of every, um, well, uh, uh, 
Once Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah comes around, we put up a new festival schedule for the next year. Um, and it's usually around the beginning of the of the uh, Gregorian calendar, usually in January, we'll put it up. And you can see all of the festival dates, all of the, uh, and it's on there right now, you can go check it out. You see all of the festival dates for the next year and when the Sabbaths are. And so what uh, a lot of people do, including me and my family and, and others, we sit down at the beginning of the year and we just take uh, the the uh, printout, we see what are the high Sabbaths and we mark them on the calendar so that we know not to plan anything and so that we can ask them off work if need be. Um, and I have friends who will put in their days off as soon as the first week in January for the next coming year of the, of the festivals. If you can't get them off, um, you know, I think that uh, we live in the diaspora, and so I think that we should try our hardest to get those days off if possible. Um, I know people who have actually saved sick days just in case their their work would not give them the days off. They would call in sick for them. Um, so I think that there's ways to get around it, especially if we plan. Um, however, if this is your you know if this is your first time around trying to celebrate the festivals and you can't get work off because you're gonna get fired or something like that, uh, then I would say plan for next year. Rob? Yeah, I, I'm right on you. It, it, I'm right online with what you're saying, especially if like you're at a job that you've, you've had one kind of commitment. I mean, and he's like, yeah, you know, I take weekends off or I go to church Sundays or whatever. Um, and maybe you've worked Saturdays and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I need to like renegotiate right. this. Um, and you want to do it wisely and, and be patient. And recognize that with anything, I, if you have the opportunity to, to change your calendar, you know, with, with respect to your work instantaneously, that's great. But in my view, it goes a long way to just have a heart to heart with your employer and say, this is, this is what the, like Gail was talking about. You can look in advance and say, this is what's ahead. What can I do? Can I work? Can I come in on a, you know, is there a way that I can make this work? So it's a win-win, you know, and seek right. to do that. And, and, you know, of course, ask God for wisdom and guidance and um, which we need to be doing anyway with any problem in life. Right. So, yeah. but, but that, but it does take courage. You're going to have to take courage because you're going to, st you're differentiating yourself. You know, I've had Christian, I had a job where I had Christian employer and Christian, uh, Christian employer and Christian fellow workers. And they, they then, so you've got your business environment and then you've got a clash of the, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you've got bad, like I was being judged as like, yeah, uh, you don't really understand theology. Rob hasn't read Colossians, <laughs> right? you know, that kind that kind of stuff. And Have you ever like, read Galatians, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, we're, we're, we're concerned about your salvation. No, right. I, uh, so that kind of thing can maybe happen, you know? So, but I say, praise God, if you have that problem, because that means you're growing in your conviction, right? Yeah. Right. And you're like, man, I have to make a value decision. Now I have to decide what my priorities of my life are. And that's a, that's a, it's a, a confrontational place potentially for us. But it's for our growth. It's for our growth to go through that. So, 
So there is a uh, discussion going on about John 6 and how um, they uh, people are saying that they believe that the communal meal was, uh, that Christ is talking not only about the Passover, but communal meals. In the context of John of Luke uh, 22, he's clearly talking about the Passover. I would argue that he is talking about the Passover in John 6 as well, because it says in the... John prefaces the entire chapter with, and the festival of Passover was near. So, uh, I, unless I, you I, read Michael Rood's Bible, dude, what oh are you talking gosh. about? <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the <laughs> point, the point is, is that I would place that in the, uh, in the, in the same category. However, I think that if we want to talk about communal meals in the sense that the chat room is, then I would tend to agree with you. Uh, if we go to first Corinthians 10 and 11. So I think that, I think that Paul, or that, uh, I'm sorry, I think that, yeah, Paul is there looking at community, and we've talked about this, communal meals, and using Passover as the, like, the the most important exemplar of, of communal meals, and then it trickles down to others. Okay, uh, I hate to be the, the, the party pooper here, but I have a, a previous engagement uh, that I must get to here very shortly, and so we're going to cut this short. However, we do have, I think, four more comments. Uh, three of them have to do with uh, the Sabbath, so we are going to revisit this next week. We're going to we come back. Can we those? Is there a way to yeah. grab and... Oh, awesome. oh yeah, yeah. I, I've already, already done it. Um, and then uh, we will talk about this next week. I think look tomorrow to see if we have a live stream scheduled for Friday. We might uh, we might try out our maybe a pilot episode of uh, of our commenting on something. And uh, so just keep that in mind. All right. Uh, and before we go, I do want to let you know that you can uh, ask more questions, talk to us more about uh, the Sabbath, whatever. Our comment line, which is just an answering machine, is 253-465-3205. You know, so shoot us an email, cheg at torresource.com, and cheg at torresource.com. Don't forget to subscribe. If you subscribe, you will know when upcoming uh, episodes are and when upcoming new shows possibly are as well. All righty then. Yeah. Uh, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.